and welcome to American Catholic History, brought to you by the support of listeners like you. If you value this content and wish to see it continue, become a supporter at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. We start once again with a word of thanks to our supporters, especially our new ones, Yvonne R., Dom Bett, yes, that Dom Bett, Jay Kaufman, Mary N., James M., and Patrick G. Yes, your support makes this podcast possible, and we continue to ask for more support. We are only about 15% of the way to the amount of support we really need to make this podcast a sustainable project. So if you've enjoyed these episodes, if you've learned something, if you've been inspired or edified or helped in your faith, please, please consider becoming a supporter. You can learn about our support tiers at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. The lowest tier is just $5 each month. I recently heard somebody say $5, that's just a fancy cup of coffee at Starbucks. So just $5. But for more each month, you'll get even more perks. Also at our website, take some time to look at our upcoming courses, online courses, our reading groups, and pilgrimages. We've got lots to help bring this all to life and go deeper in the history of Catholics in America. So check it out. Yes, we've been talking about doing an online course for a while, and a request from a loyal listener to do just a course for her homeschool son has pushed us to finally make this course a reality. We'll be starting in mid-October, and registration will be available soon. So So please, if you value American Catholic history, become a supporter, because we really want to keep producing this podcast. Learn more at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. So that said, and thank you so much for your support. On with the show. Today, we're talking about Clara Barton and St. Mary of Sorrows Church in Fairfax Station, Virginia. This story is similar to one we told a while back. Yes, we talked previously about St. Francis Xavier Church in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, which was used as a field hospital during the Battle of Gettysburg. In that case, the church was used as a hospital for three months after the battle and was out of commission as a place of worship for another three months. As we'll see, St. Mary's wasn't used as a hospital for quite as long, but it did have a similar experience of being out of commission for a while. Yes, and this is another topic that we both have personal experience with since we both lived in Northern Virginia for a time. I got to know St. Mary of Sorrows through their longtime DRE there as I was also working as a DRE. And also it was one of those churches that I would stop at on my regular seven churches rotation on Holy Thursday. And of course, by the DRE, you mean... Esther Silva. Oh, okay. That wasn't who I was thinking of. I was thinking of Brian Kissinger, who was their youth he minister. He was the youth minister. Right. We have a lot of connections with Brian Kissinger. Yeah, we both do. Um, actually, so he was the youth minister who started the summer that I spent a summer as a seminarian there back in 2007. And he and I are actually distant cousins. But anyway, my experience was as a seminarian there in 2007. And I had a great summer. It was, it was and still is, an incredibly active parish with so many ministries and things going on. The pastor, Father James Barquette, was a great model of hard work, joy, and dedication to his flock. He's still pastor, and I'm sure he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, and in November of 2020, under Father Barquette's leadership, they dedicated a beautiful new church. Yeah, which was very badly needed because they'd been offering Mass for decades in the building built to be the community center. As a community center, it had its merits, but as a church... Well, let's just say it was a very nice community center. Uh, Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. 
But the community center and the new church aren't our topic for today. Today, we're talking about the original St. Mary of Sorrows Church, which is about two miles away by car. Yeah, and this and the rectory is around the corner from the old church, which was always an odd thing about being there. The old historic church is within walking distance from the rectory, but the main church is not. You have to hop in your car to get to and from the church every day. But that's how things developed there in Fairfax Station. Right. They developed that way. It wasn't a careful plan. Yeah, sounds like our life with Christ. <laughs> yeah. Have we told you about our Montessori school? Yeah. <laughs> but back to our topic today. One of the first questions is how a Catholic church became established in Fairfax Station, Virginia, before the Civil War. Virginia, as we've discussed, wasn't a friendly place for Catholics before the American Revolution. And it isn't like massive numbers of Catholics flooded into the state in the early 1800s. You're right. Catholicism in Virginia before the Civil War was mostly confined to a handful of significant cities. The first Catholic parish in Virginia was in Alexandria, and that is now St. Mary's Basilica, which is where you worked for a few years before we got married. Right. And as one place we'll visit on our mini pilgrimage pre-event to the National Catholic Singles Conference. Yeah, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Other cities with a significant enough population to have a Catholic parish were Norfolk, Lynchburg, Harpers Ferry, Martinsburg, and Wheeling. Those last three are all in present-day West Virginia, which was still part of Virginia until 1863. But all those places have something in common. They were established and growing cities. Fairfax was little more than a crossroads town centered on the county courthouse. Not much population and not much else going on. Two Catholic families did live there, however, the Hamels and the Cunninghams. And these two families donated land to the Diocese of Richmond in 1838 for the establishment of a Catholic cemetery and, they hoped, the construction of a Catholic church. The cemetery happened almost immediately, but the church wouldn't come along for another 20 years. The church finally happened because a railroad was laid from Alexandria out to Orange, about 70 miles to the southwest. Irish laborers came to the region with the promise of jobs. The rail line passed near this tract of land, and the depot for the town of Fairfax was built just a quarter mile away. Hence, Fairfax Station. Exactly. Well, these Irish laborers were Catholic, and they needed a church for themselves and their families. So, beginning with the laying of the cornerstone in 1858, these Irish laborers would finish their daytime work on the railroad, and then come to the little hill where they would contribute to building their church. The church was completed and dedicated in 1860. Then, in April of the following year, 1861, the Civil War broke out. This new church's position right along the railroad line and just 20 miles from Washington, D.C., put it right in the middle of things. Yes. Manassas, which was the site of the first major battle of the Civil War, Bull Run, is only about 10 miles to the west. So Fairfax Station was the nearest railroad depot. St. Mary's, however, dodged direct involvement in that first battle of Bull Run. Or First Manassas for our Southern listeners. Yes, First Manassas or First Bull Run, whichever you prefer. I'll stick to Bull Run since I'm from Ohio. But though it avoided involvement in that major battle, St. Mary wasn't in a peaceful place. Both the North and the South wanted control of that railroad line. The Union controlled the depot at Burke to the east of Fairfax, while the Confederacy controlled Manassas to the west. This meant that while St. Mary itself avoided direct involvement in the battle, the area around St. Mary saw frequent skirmishes, 
even outside of the major battles, as both sides fought over it. This ended in, the, in late August of 1862, when the two armies collided for the second time just outside of Manassas. This second Battle of Bull Run was a clear Confederate victory, with the Union forces losing more than 14,000 killed, wounded, or missing, to the Confederacy's 9,000. During the battle, Union wounded were brought on carts and wagons from the battlefield to the train depot at Fairfax Station to be transported to hospitals in Alexandria. But the trains filled quickly. The mass of wounded and dying men quickly spread from outside the depot, the quarter mile up the road to the land around St. Mary's Church. Thousands were laid out throughout the churchyard and graveyard. Eventually, the pews were pulled out of the church to be used outdoors for beds and firewood. And then the rain came. During the second and third days of the battle, the skies opened and the rain poured down. The churchyard was a morass of mud, blood, and gore. The surgeons were forced to use the church itself as a surgery since it was the only reliably dry place available to them. It was a truly terrible situation for everyone. Into this hell on earth, a number of volunteers came out to help. Yes, when the trains came back out to Fairfax Station to pick up another load of wounded soldiers, men and women came out on those trains as well to help tend to the wounded. Among the volunteers was a clerk from the U.S. Patent Office named Clara Barton. Barton had previous experience helping with battle-wounded soldiers. Back in July of 1861, after the First Battle of Bull Run, the hospitals in Washington became overfilled and many of the excess soldiers were placed in the Exhibition Hall of the U.S. Patent Office building. Barton spent many hours after her workday feeding the men, writing letters for them, and just helping them spend time as they healed. Then, in early August of 1862, she went out to aid wounded in the aftermath of the Battle of Cedar Mountain in Culpeper County, Virginia. After that battle, she wrote, When our armies battled at Cedar Mountain, I broke the shackles and went to the field. I may be compelled to face danger, but never fear it. And while our soldiers can stand and fight... I can stand and feed and nurse them. Well, she got that opportunity, including the opportunity to face danger when she went out to Fairfax Station. But she served remarkably. Later, she wrote of what she witnessed. I cannot tell you the scenes that awaited our eyes. The wounded were constantly coming in, but no hospitals this time, only God's great one under the canopy. The men were brought down from the field and laid on the ground beside the train, and so back up the hill till they covered acres. For three days and nights, she tended to the wounded, doing whatever she could for them. The surgeon in charge wrote of her, I thought that night if heaven ever sent out an angel, she must be one. Her assistance was so timely. As the battle was wrapping up and the Confederate army was pressing down on Fairfax Station, Barton was among those who stayed with the wounded, refusing to leave until every last soldier was evacuated. Then she boarded the final train, leaving the depot, and watched as the Confederate troops arrived and set the depot on fire. The Civil War would rage for nearly three more years, and the land around St. Mary would change hands many more times. Second Manassas, however, was the last major involvement St. Mary's had in the war. But the effect of that battle would remain with St. Mary, and St. Mary would leave its mark on Clara Barton. For its part, St. Mary's grounds still held the remains of hundreds, perhaps thousands, of dead who were buried before the final evacuation. 
After the Civil War, the U.S. government came out to exhume the bodies for transfers to Arlington National Cemetery, which was the new burial grounds for war dead established on the grounds of Robert E. Lee's family estate. All but one soldier was moved. The one who remained was a Catholic Confederate soldier whose family asked the priest at St. Mary to remove the marker at his grave. The family of the soldier, by the name of Kidwell, wished their boy to remain in Catholic ground. Kidwell remains buried on the grounds of St. Mary to this day, but now his grave is clearly marked. Another lasting legacy is inside the church. Naturally, after three days of rough usage as hospital beds out in the mud and rain, St. Mary's brand new pews, that is, those that hadn't been busted up for firewood, were no longer any good. Well, in the 1870s, President Ulysses S. Grant caught wind of this. He would take the train out to a health resort near Clifton, Virginia, and on the trip he'd passed Fairfax. He learned of the part St. Mary played in tending to the wounded and what happened to the pews. So he had the government provide new pews to the church. Those are the pews which you would sit on today if you visit the historic church. The third lasting legacy is the Red Cross. Now, we're not saying that Barton's experience at St. Mary was the entire reason she founded the Red Cross, but the experience was very important. And today, the church's involvement in this important founding is noted in a number of plaques on the grounds. In the later decades of the 19th century, the church was repaired and expanded. A new entryway topped by a steeple with a bell was added, along with a choir loft. But not much more changed through the 20th century. Growth in the local Catholic population eventually prompted the diocese, now Arlington rather than Richmond, to build a new church in 1980. That's when they built the community center we referenced above. Yeah. However, silver lining, when the new building became the focus of parish activity, that allowed this little church to retire, if you will. It was restored, the grounds were given some much-needed TLC, and the historic church became a place for quiet prayer and joyous occasions. Yes, it is a popular spot for weddings, naturally, and the diocese uses it for special occasions throughout the year. I actually remember one of the earliest events, sort of a welcome aboard celebration for new seminarians happening there in 2005 when I was a new seminarian and before I went to seminary. And it isn't just Catholic events that the grounds host. The grounds of St. Mary of Sorrows Historic Church holds the longest-running annual outdoor event in Fairfax County. The annual Labor Day picnic welcomes about 10,000 people each year. This celebration dates back to the 1870s, when it was originally held on the 4th of July. Sometime around 1894, it was transferred to Labor Day weekend, but it continues to this day. This is actually an interesting thing. A public event in a very historic and historically Protestant part of Virginia began in the 1870s and has happened annually without problems right up to the present day. Yes, right on through the years of the Ku Klux Klan and then the reemergence of nativism in the 1880s through the 1920s. You'd think that a place with as much Protestant history and Protestant identity as Northern Virginia would be a hotbed of anti-Catholic bigotry, but interestingly, you'd be wrong. 
There was some of that in some of the cities like Norfolk, where sudden and massive Catholic immigration combined with high population density led to sparks flying. But in the more rural parts, like Fairfax was at the time, the Catholic immigration wasn't nearly so concentrated, and so it didn't lead to such problems. Yeah, the Catholic community in Fairfax was able to develop in a manner more harmonious with the dominant Protestant culture than was able to happen in some of the cities. And maybe we'll do a full episode on the development of Catholicism and anti-Catholicism in the Old Dominion, because it really is a fascinating study. So enough on that for now. (laughs) Right. For now, we'll just invite you, if you're in Northern Virginia and you have some time or just need a quiet place to get away, go to the little church at the corner of Ox Road and Fairfax Station Road. The red steeple and gothic mullioned windows blend with the white clapboard siding to provide a welcoming and classically Americana feel. And the testimony of the graveyard surrounding the little church on the hill speaks to the faith of the people who built this temple of God and have sustained the faith in Northern Virginia for nearly two centuries, even through a terrible civil war. This has been American Catholic History. If you enjoy American Catholic History, please become a supporter. We've got great perks for supporters, including exclusive content, books, mugs, and personal conversations. Get information on how to become a supporter and the perks of being a supporter at AmericanCatholicHistory.org slash support. Also on our website, sign up for our newsletter, learn more about St. Mary of Sorrows, see about our pilgrimages, our online courses, and find other episodes that might be of interest. We love getting your feedback and suggestions for episodes. You can email us at feedback at AmericanCatholicHistory.org, find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash AmericanCatholicHistory, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow us on Twitter at ACH1513. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History, made possible by listeners like you. 